Today, we're stoked to speak to the 21-year-old Taiwanese-American producer-songstress from the Bay Area, Eileen Shoji. But first, we want our listeners to check out a short clip of our favorite song titled Summer Heat. Let's take a listen. Summer heat's rising, I'm realizing Everything I've done has been with you Nowadays I'm just by your side And days just pass us by like we are fools My world turned upside down when I got involved with you Never aligned with someone so much with us So in tune, I've got so much to do But I'd rather be hosted with you I can't think straight in the summer heat And I don't want to Welcome, welcome. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being on. Very excited to dive in. We wanted to first bring up your dope ass music video, Summer Heat. Summer Heat. <laughs> Alex and I watched many a time. It's so dreamy. We were talking about how the song kind of seems like it's about you realizing like who you are and wanting to spend time with your significant other there's lots of scenes of you by a pool playing tennis you're lounging in the hotel room with your partner who's in a robe just some great some great scenes so much r&r we were like oof take me back to summer right now um the red sunnies yes Uh red bathing suit it was a look my first question relating to summer is what is your favorite summer activity? That's a really tough question. There's so many different activities in existence. <laughs> I really like swimming. So yeah, I guess I would say that's my favorite activity is to be at a pool or to be at the beach and just, you know, maybe sip some wine. Which you kind water. of represented in the music video. You have that iconic scene, like kind of lounging and then you like pop up. Kind of gives <laughs> yeah. me very fast times of Ridgemont High kind of vibes if you've ever seen I gotta add it scene. to the list I gotta add it to the list <laughs> and you have this like this scene in the music video where you're like in a hotel room with I'm presuming your partner yeah um and there's like another couple that walks in and like busts you out of the it's room so yeah, yeah it's so good we made that we didn't make that as clear as I envisioned it but we stumble upon that room like the door just happens to be open so that's like why we're having this big spa day and this big adventure at this hotel is because we stumbled upon an opened room. So we're like, yeah, we're going to just pretend like we're guests at this hotel. And then at the end, my really good friends, Ida and Miles, 
they're the actors in this scene and they're like that's actually their hotel room so they return and it's like oh shoot the jig is up we gotta like bounce so then we grab our stuff and we run away really quickly (laughs) and then they're just like what the hell like who are these people why are they in our room and that's the end of the video it's like imposter syndrome it's like yes i'm meant to be here just like play the part you know no it was scary to shoot too because we kind of just pulled up to the hotel and we were like hopefully they don't mind that we're like taking videos here people still could have just been like you guys can't be filming here but no one cared everybody was like oh okay group of like eight people just lounging around with a camera playing music like over and over again same song they're like this is fine i just i've had someone middle of the night this couple was drunk and they, I think they might've gone to the wrong room. I still don't know how this happened, but they were able to open my hotel room door. And I was like half asleep. And all of a sudden we hear like a couple giggling and we're like, is someone trying to break into the room? And I freaked out because I was just like, who's coming in here? Um, And then like, they heard us like get up and like ran off. But I was kind of like in the moment I was scared, but now after hearing your video, I'm like, you. Then maybe right. no, me. I would not suggest anybody doing that. <laughs> That's not cute. That's You're trespassing. Like, don't try this at you home. You could get kid. arrested. Yeah. Oh God, I probably should have put a, a warning in the beginning. Disclaimer. Yeah. That's so scary, though. I'm like glad that, yeah, that you were good scary. off that situation because everyone put their that dead bolts. Crazy. Okay. Yeah, is that yeah. why they have the deadbolts in the hotel room? I always yeah. kind of wondered that. I'm like, damn, that's aggressive. That they have the extra, yeah, the chain on, the chain, all of it. Do it. I saved my life apparently that night. Who knows what would have happened to me? Maybe I would have joined this couple's romance. Who knows? I don't know. Who knows? Could have been a fun night. Could have been missing (laughs) out. (laughs) So we loved in the song the chorus. I think it's the chorus where you talk about you used to write songs about being independent, but like. I don't know the exact, you, you tell me the exact words of that. I said, that used to write all these songs about independence, but now I can't last a day without my boyfriend. I need you. <laughs> Just repeats. It's super funny that we're talking about this song though, too, because it's many years old, but it's the last thing I put out. I'm such a different person now, but back then, like this is where my head was at. So it's funny to dive into that. Well, Alex and I just appreciated that angle and that candor because I feel like there is such a notion of like, if you have a partner, that means you're not independent Mm -hmm. um, or that you can't be empowered by being in a good partnership. Mm -hmm. There's almost like a shame of like, oh, you know, I'm the like wifed up girl or like, you know, Mm -hmm. I have this boyfriend or I have this partner and therefore I'm like less of my own woman or whatever. Maybe that's just uh, my own personal feeling sometimes being in a multi-year relationship. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of women experience that. And I love just that honesty of I want to spend time with my significant other because there's a reason I'm with this person because we fucking enjoy each other, you know? And is that that a bad thing? I don't know if that was kind of, yeah, the notion behind It was just because we'd been together for two and a half or three years or something. We just had our fourth year anniversary. So that was probably, yeah, like after being together for two years. But I just had never really been in a serious relationship. So I spent all this time just first half of our relationship being like, ah, I hate you because you make it harder for me to do all the things I need to do Mm because I'm just spending all this time with you. I should be making music. I have homework to do. Like... I'm so busy and I'm so conflicted, but I want to hang out with you all the time. But also 
I hate you because like, I'm not progressing because I'm just like chilling all the time. and I want to chill, but it's like me projecting my own inability to manage my own time. So basically like I was just super conflicted for the first two years of our relationship. And I just started college and like, that was really difficult because college is hard and mm. being in a relationship that's kind of new while just starting college was just a lot to balance. So then that song was kind of just like, I'm going to make it cute. All this struggle that has kept me up at night, I'm going to find a way to channel it in a kind of positive and almost like surrendering to being like, you know what? It's okay. Like this conflict exists and it doesn't have to make me so upset. I can just maybe find other people that can relate to that and like turn it into something more endearing. So yeah, that is, that does capture it. It's okay to spend a lot of time with somebody, I think. And I used to get really mad at myself for spending a lot of time with him, but now it's like totally things are chill yeah yeah it's hard it's hard to figure out balance especially college college when you're like I want to be everywhere at once and I want to do everything and I want to be everything to everyone I think that was the biggest learning experience for me it was like it's okay you don't have to do it all all the Mm -hmm. time you know like you, you should be conscious about how you're spending your time and not put too many eggs into one basket but at the same time like you don't need to kill yourself trying to be like the perfect balanced person you know yeah definitely beautiful summation of what it's like to date someone in the beginning of college and then kind of grow with that person as well as grow yourself and try to figure Mm -hmm. out how to like become this blossoming woman that you want to be I put too many eggs in my basket for a long time (laughs) they were they were almost cracking but they're fine now they're good my eggs are fine they're good the eggs the cracks just healed yes they've become solidified again it's cute I can paint them for Easter it's right around the corner (laughs) perfect Yeah. yeah it was hard too just because he was like finishing college when I was starting it and He's also a musician. He's just all around creative, but he was way more established in his music career and like regularly creating. He didn't like school, so he put more energy into making music, but like I didn't like school, but I didn't know how to get through school without giving it all my energy. Just even to like get passing grades or whatever, I just felt like it required so much. So there was like a frustration of with that too, of just feeling like you're doing the thing I want to be doing. And like, I'm around you and me being around you means I'm also not doing the thing that I should be doing. Meanwhile, school is also keeping me from doing that. So I kind of just like had this negative association with spending time with anybody doing anything that wasn't creative. And it was just like kind of an unhealthy, kind of immature way to like lash out. I was always being like, oh, I'm mad that I'm in college when I probably should have just like not been in college. If I was being honest, (laughs) it just, everything would have been a lot smoother, but yeah, we're done now. But it It takes time to even realize that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Was there for real, but it was cool. Like, I'm really happy with what I learned, but also like in the past four months since being graduated, it's been a lot of just complete life shattering realizations and having to just kind of destroy everything i thought I knew about myself and everything I thought I was and trying to rebuild it because school kind of mangled me or like turned me into something that I really don't like just based off of I don't know having to suppress my creative self like I did gain a lot but I did feel like I lost a lot of myself during the process of getting through it I'm excited for you the rediscovering of yourself post-grad I think Anna can attest is the best part of the 
adult journey because like you said, you thought you knew who you were in college, but then you enter this new world and you start to really find things that make yourself happy. You're like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I don't have the structure of school. And like, now you're kind of like, what makes Eileen happy? Is Mm -hmm. it spending a full day like producing? That's kind of yeah, how I yeah. feel about the postgrad. Well, you life. you just have more time, you know. Like yeah. I feel yeah. like in college you're just constantly being pulled in every direction. There's like no time to breathe or like think about anything. You're just mm-hmm. doing. It's been uh, it's been kind of a rough couple of months being graduated and being super isolated because I'm just like doing this self recalibration, but mm-hmm. not really recalibrating into anything that I desire. It's just been a really weird all over the place. Thing that's like way more confusing because of COVID. Yeah, to- totally. I I cannot. I feel like yeah, post grad, which I only did like a year before you, was mm-hmm. a crazy, confusing, recalibrating time anyway. So I cannot imagine adding isolation and like weird social anxiety to that. Beyond the typical social anxiety you have at any given time. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it's exhausting too. like having to think about all those things and gauge and like reassess every situation that you enter into. Mm-hmm. So we're in you. this together, Eileen, yeah. I moved to New York, the oh craziest God. city to move in the middle of COVID. But what I tell myself when I feel unbalanced, I don't know what the hell is going on with life. I'm like, my Renaissance era is coming. With every dark period comes a renaissance era and I'm here for it. Let the renaissance light hit me and feel golden (laughs) and I'm so ready for it. Yeah. Eileen, is your last name Shoji? Um, My middle name is Shoji. So Shoji is my grandma's first name. My Taiwanese grandma's first name is Shoji. And then my white grandma's first name was Eileen. So I'm Eileen Shoji. Cool. Okay. I just wanted to, to clarify your name um okay well we just talked a lot about we didn't even get to our (laughs) official questions no it's all good also i'm like super chilling like i don't have anything else planned for this evening okay well i'm glad you like talking to us yeah it's rare when there's when i'm with two other hapas that are also interested in music and like i don't know it's good energy cool yes i love it i feel like i'm automatically like connected to hapa bruh everybody every like, hapa i've ever met has said that and it's like it's true it's, it's like true. two hapas get walk in a room and stare at each other it's like literally love at first sight you're like hello no it's like a similar experience i think that happened to, to us <laughs> Did that's that how you guys became friends probably we're like yeah. hey girl what's up fellow hapa you didn't know white guy too hey oh my god <laughs> I have a question for the both of you. Have you visited South Korea and have you visited Taiwan? I'm really curious to hear about your experiences are as a half Asian to visit your native countries. Because when I visit Indonesia, I have a very different experience as well. For me, every time I've gone to Taiwan and I've been there, I've probably been there like 10 times throughout my life, like every oh, wow. couple of years. That's a lot. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Because all of my mom's family is in currently living in Taiwan. So we'll go back like every every two or so, two, three years and just visit family. But that's that's really how it's been for me. I'm 21 now. So I've kind of been like a child every time. I felt like a child every time I've gone to Taiwan because I've really just been at the mercy of like, what does grandma want to do today? What does right. mom have? Yeah, yeah. What are <laughs> right, my uncles right. like? What is every, what's everybody doing? I'm kind of like just there 
doing whatever doing the family the family vibe trip which is fine too because I've been every time I've gone I've been I think the last time I was there I was 17 it was right before I started college and that was the first time I like went to a bar with my brother and like kind of explored but like I rode the train one time by myself to go meet my brother because I I don't even remember but that was crazy to me because I'm like oh god like I've never navigated Taiwan by myself but within Mm. the family setting um I mean I, I can't tell if it's like oh, she's half white. Like my whole mom's side of the family loves my dad. And I think it's more so like the cousins from America are here and like we rarely see each other. So there's just a lot of excitement and that it's just like nice to be with family, but also I don't speak Mandarin very well or I'm not fluent in it and I can't hold like a smooth conversation. Everything's very choppy and like, mama, like how, how do you say this? Is that the right word? Is that the right word? And going okay, on well, that's cool that you know any Mandarin at all. That's yeah. already <laughs> a step above us. I just feel bad because it's like, I've seen my cousins and my, and my uncles and my grandma. I've seen everybody so many times and it's like always the same thing of my level of speaking is still exactly where it's like plateaued, but, or it stayed in a steady place. But one of my big like adult slash life things that I'm trying to do now is just be on, be on my Mandarin game and just get like fluent as fuck. So when I go back, I can really communicate with everybody. But um, yeah. So when I go out there, that's kind of my experience, but also something I've been thinking about a lot. I don't know how to phrase it, but basically like being mixed, it's it's this very interesting relationship with your Asian-ness because yes. especially like depending on which parent in the household was mm-hmm. white or Asian and like who was the more dominant parent, whether that had to do with their race, like looking mm-hmm. at your own mm-hmm. self and like seeing my own anti-Asian-ness toward my own self yes. because yes. of being half white. And like, I don't know, it's just, so it's like very weird to have all these different ideas ideas about yourself and then about like uh your asian identity or i guess if you're mixed i don't know how it is for other people who are mixed with different races but like for me it's just been very confusing yeah no i feel that a hundred percent i think even internally like i've rejected the notion that people have been racist towards me and people are racist towards other asian americans um And like, it was always kind of socially acceptable to be racist towards Asians. And then now on this journey to reclaiming Asian-ness made me think of a conversation I had with a friend of ours who's Korean American. And we were talking about how people have literally said to us, you're cool for an Asian, Mm. which that really clung to me because... I think the reason largely that we being mixed rejected Asian-ness or didn't think about it throughout our lives has been because like the idea of being Asian was tied to this negative, like Asian-ness is uncool. Asian-ness is um, either like hypersexual geisha or nerdy and lame and boring. And it's like, I don't want to be, yeah, I don't want to be lame, boring and none of that. So like, therefore I can't be Asian, you know? Mm -hmm. And now like obviously realizing that that's so fucked up and so racist and like internalized hate, but that was like a form of like sort of acceptable racism towards Asians. I feel like people just saying that, like as if that was a normal comment. Yeah, almost endearing because it was like, oh, I don't know. I felt like, oh, I'm accepted because like you you fuck with me. Right, like like you're welcome. You know what I mean? Like you, you're the cool Asian. You're the acceptable of the 
minority or whatever. That is interesting. I don't even know how I would react if someone said that to me. I'd be like, thanks. I mean, I've had unacceptable racist moments too. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was traveling with my three full Asian girlfriends to Mexico City, this was right in the beginning of the pandemic. Um, We were out at a club. But it was it was still very early days where it's just like it was kind of like whisperings on the news that like, oh, this, you know, this virus that started in China is like kind of spreading throughout the U.S. So we still decided to go on this trip. Um, And then as we're out, you know, a group of people when they're standing next to us just start coughing really aggressively. And they're like, Mm -hmm. "Ah, coronavirus, ah, coronavirus. And I just look at them and I'm like, okay, first of all these three girls are Korean. I'm half Indonesian, half French. Um, We don't come from China. We come from the US. So I defended us. I told them, I was like, this is inappropriate. You're making Mexico City and its people look, you know, kind of racist in this exact moment. And it's, it's sad because I'm coming here on vacation, trying to, you know, take in its culture and its surroundings. And this is what I'm kind of left with as one of the main experiences there. And I don't know, in that moment, it just kind of, it made me feel unsafe to go home that night because I was kind of like, okay, if this is just like the small little interaction we've had of racism in this outdoor setting. I'm kind of scared, you know, if we walk home at night from going out or if we're going to get in a cab, what's going to happen to us? Is it going to be okay for us to be out here? Are people going to associate us with, you know, coronavirus and I, I don't even, yeah. your imagination can take you places, especially when yeah. you're out in a foreign country. It's totally. kind of scary. But then like even in the US, I was reading today, there's been 3,800 recorded attacks against Asian Americans this year since coronavirus started. And, and unreported. Yeah. And most of them women also. That's so yeah. sad. And I was going to say too that like, like in response to what you're saying, Alex, about how you were like afraid of getting in a cab or something like you're afraid of just maneuvering this new space. I always felt like I have now and just throughout my life, I've felt like this constant fear and anxiety just out of being a woman. Like there's just so much violence against women, but then it's like, now I'm thinking, do I have that fear? Not just because I'm a woman, but it's heightened because of interactions I've had as a result of my Asian-ness without even Mm -hmm. realizing it because I've had, like I've been harassed I'm just like, it's so normal to be sexually harassed. I've always just taken that at face value. Like, oh, I'm allowed to complain about that. You know what I mean? It's it's not complaining. Like, I just always thought, oh, that's what it means to exist. Yeah, that's just what being a woman is. But it's like, oh, maybe part of that had to do with my Asian-ness. Like, maybe that is why I was, I just had so many experiences. We're going to take a short break. Our guest today is Eileen Shoji. This is Turn On The AC. Stay with us. So you mentioned your partner is also a musician. And do you guys collaborate together? Yeah. I mean, it's so... Everything I say is always going to be like, yeah, kind of. Just because I've been in such a weird phase of my life for the past three and a half years. I've been kind of in a stagnant creative space. My partner, he just relayed a tweet back to me that I was like, damn, that's a good tweet. Just saying that like this, <laughs> something about like 
the saddest thing to have happened in this century is for art to be synonymous with content and like content creation or like to be reduced down to just content that can be used for profit and everything. But basically, okay, yes, we make stuff together. Throughout the past couple of years, there have been like songs that we'll work on here and there. I actually have a song that I released like three years ago where he does a verse on it. And he went on tour a few years ago. I don't know what time is anymore. I think it was 2019, but um, I opened for him. So I like did a performance. I did an opening set for two of his shows, one in LA, one in Oakland. So it's kind of like, we'll we'll just kind of work on things here and there. But um, yeah, he's a really amazing producer, singer, songwriter, just everything. His artist name is Eluj, E-L-U-J-A-Y. I know exactly what song I know of his. Is it Star Child? Is is he the is he the other that is her skin is golden like oh it's yep Tennessee. <laughs> okay, yep. yes, I love that's that him. Song. Oh, that's okay. so cool. I love that wow. song. Wow, yeah, 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 yeah. That's familiar. <laughs> so cool. You know that song, Anna. I, yes. you definitely know that. Song. <laughs> I definitely know that song. Okay, very cool. Well, we do do a like a pass the torch thing at the end of our episodes, which That'd is like dope. share another artist. Yeah. So uh, that's perfect. You already you already named one. Yes. We're always joking about like, we're going to, let's drop a Christmas album or like, let's drop a house album. Like we're always joking about doing a duo, some sort of duo project. And I would love to, like, I love him as an artist and as a person and it would be really awesome too. I'm just like, I have so many different ideas just swirling around in my head now that I'm like released from the chains of school. So I'm really like experimenting with so many things. See, it is your Renaissance. You are about to have your Renaissance for sure. Hopefully. I feel like duo stuff, like two really established artists making music together later in their career is really sick. I'm specifically Uh referencing most recently Anderson Pack, Bruno Mars, Mm. Silk Sonic collab. I was like, yeah, that makes so much sense. You know what I mean? Oh my God. I thought of like a power, I thought of Jay Z and Beyonce, Deja Vu's era. And I was like, I love that song. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that too. I mean, yeah, couples. I guess Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars are not a couple. So that could be an example, but they could be. That's Um, a great collab, though, like them getting together and Jay Z and Beyonce. Power moves. Power moves. Power moves. That's a goal. I need to like figure out what I'm doing as an artist first. And then, yeah, it'd be great. I'm going to push for the Christmas album as a fan of both of you. Just throwing it out there. I would like a Christmas album. I would love to make a Christmas album because I love Christmas music. I love Christmas music. Holy shit. That is my favorite time of year. Christmas jazz. Christmas jazz is the best. Do you yeah. only listen to it during Christmas holiday yes. time? Or- yeah, now I do. Strictly. I do not fuck with Christmas music before December 1st. That is my cut off. Damn. I know it's short. It's short, but sweet. All of December. Come December 25th, I'm done. You're done? We can- mm-hmm. I don't know if you would like me. I just listened to Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas Nat King Cole cover. I like. In March. Yes, girl. I'm trying to you feel that not. Christmas joy. No, <laughs> yeah. there's no. something. There's something very wrong. <laughs> there's something very disorienting. It's disturbing. That. I feel a lot of shame coming from the zoo. No, uh, I couldn't do. It. Let's just say I couldn't do that because my brain would just not be able to handle that. 
I would be confused. I would be yeah, uncomfortable, be like disoriented. Day. Is it Christmas still? What's happening? That's a great song, though. That's actually one of, if not my favorite Christmas song of all time. Well, since we're talking about Christmas music and how you love jazzy Christmas music. I do. Like, who were some of your musical inspirations growing up? Who were you bumping? I mean, to be honest, lots of Lady Gaga. <laughs> Lady Gaga is insane. Like, I probably, I mean, now being older and listening, having multiple reoccurring Lady Gaga phases where I'm like, mm, let me dive into what I was super into as a 10-year-old. I'm like, whoa, these lyrics were not chill for me to be repeating. <laughs> but um, yeah, when I was, I think, well, actually, like my earliest stan phase, like the earliest person that I was a crazy huge fan of was Amy Winehouse. Mm. And yeah. then at the same time, Lady Gaga enters the room and I start listening to tons of Lady Gaga and I'm just like obsessed with all of her music because I don't know, it was it was like a mixture of her being this new like pop phenomenon that the whole world was just like amazed by. But also I just really loved her music, especially the Born This Way deluxe album. Yes. And even now I'm just like, that's one of my favorite albums. It's so good. Like she made pop that was so interesting or pop that like took risk with the lyricism, pop that took risk with the production. And um, yeah, I just think even now that that was really cool. And I'm like proud of myself for liking her so much when I was young. Cause I'm like, oh damn, that really influenced my yeah. musical yeah. ear. And then at the same but time as Lady Gaga, Kanye West enters the room. And then I had this mm -hmm. crazy Kanye West phase at like age 12 or yeah, I think age 12. So Lady Gaga was like age nine through 11. And I had a Lady Gaga t-shirt for every day of the week, like Lady Gaga wristbands, Lady Gaga oh, posters. Oh, I love that. Oh, wow. You were <laughs> a real fangirl. I love that. And then I would like alternate between being her for Halloween and then being Amy Winehouse for Halloween. And then I always liked Kanye, but then my brother left for college when I was like 12, I think 12, 13. And he liked Kanye a lot. So I'd be like, I miss my brother. I'm going to listen Aww. to Kanye and like miss him Cute. while listening to the Kanye songs that he put on my iPod shuffle. And I just got like crazy obsessed with Kanye because he's another artist that's just like genre defying, like insane production, insane lyricism, yeah. super cinematic, just so mm -hmm. creative. And yeah, so like those are those are three artists that really influenced me just all throughout my childhood and um, into my young teenhood, like just really shaped um, what I love about music. I love that. I think I think Kanye and Lady Gaga, I would say, like are two of the main artists that like kind of defines our generation of like mm. music in our age group or whatever gen we are i don't even know yeah uh -huh. like millennial gen whatever the fuck but erupted yeah. in the early 2000s i feel like like you said they actually did revolutionize whichever genre they were exclusively in like it's like mm -hmm. madonna gave her pop crown to lady gaga mm -hmm. and then she revolutionized that sound then i am, am a huge lady gaga fan because she this crazy little like music history story that I love is she literally hit up Kendrick Lamar and was like, I want to work with you. And she was like, uh, I don't, he's like, I don't really know who you are. And she's like, here, let me just like sing on the phone for you on the, on the fly. And he was mm. like, so blown away that she wrote bitch. Don't kill my vibe with him. Whoa. What? I didn't know that. Yeah. That's like the that's most like random 
thing i did not know that I and i wouldn't have expected that would never have expected that that's why respect for her that's pretty she, sick yeah i was wow. like great song love that song it's an amazing song well produced love well written song. so shout out why to not, wow i want to hear them do like a a remix collab cover situation of that where's lady gaga on bitch don't kill my vibe i want to hear it that sounds yeah magical. now i gotta go on the spotify like song yeah be like what? on it as like writer <laughs> writing credits i remember hearing uh like watching i don't know when it came out like the og was it even a full docu um biopic thing there was some lady gaga mm-hmm. special on hbo i remember my mom watching it and she was obsessed with that performance, her like stripped down version of Born This Way. I, I need to rewatch that video. It's been years, but that was a moment where I was like, holy shit, she's so, so talented. Like beyond the creativity and her, like her music videos and her production and her outfits and her whole um, persona, like just raw talent wise and sound is like really yeah. good. Yeah. Have you seen her in concert many times? No, not once, which is so Damn. like unfortunate cuz now she's not even in that world anymore. Like I didn't really listen to Joanne. I didn't really get into her like more kind of like folk country stuff. I just really loved her pop and I even the latest album that she dropped I wasn't crazy about. Chromatic. But like yeah, like it was some cool songs on there, but I was just kind of like this feels like safe pop low key. Like it doesn't safe feel pop. it doesn't feel as daring as her earlier work. Like, she's never going to come out of a monster egg carried by a group of people like she used to. Now she wears a big hat and she plays her guitar. So I'm like, man, I miss this whole, miss like... Miss the phase. <laughs> yeah, she's not going to pull up, like, wearing a meat dress, you know. I'm about the meat matured. dress. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So the so Mac was shaking when she showed up in the meat dress. That's wild, though. Like, she did that. And now I'm older and I'm an artist and I'm like struggling to be creative a lot of days where I'm just like, whoa, here I am. I'm like wearing sweats every day. And I'm just like, how do you even think of that? (laughs) Totally. That's insane. And then how do you like fix yourself up to like pull up in public (laughs) looking like that? That's crazy. I'd be afraid. I need to the confidence, the level of confidence and just like assuredness in yourself is like, damn, just so many props on that. They still have that meat dress, so you can go see it. Do they really? Was it not real? It was real. They just preserved the meat. I read this recently. I was like cracking up because I was like, okay, is it like beef jerky preserved? Or that's kind of gross. Um, Can you even freeze meat for that long? Like, I guess so. I I wouldn't wear it again. Is all I have to say. (laughs) It can stay on Lady Gaga's body exclusively. It's. Um, I gotta do anyway. a deep dive. Like I feel like you know all these facts, and I just feel so ignorant. I gotta. I'm not a real oh, yeah. stan, dude. Alex, Alex, I just have to say, is queen of random facts. Like music <laughs> facts, obviously, but just facts. She'll just whip out the randomest thing, and I'm like, what? Wh- where did you get this piece of knowledge? Are you really good at Jeopardy, Alex? I'm amazing at trivia. Like so. And like, yeah, pretty much Google is my best friend. Sick. Yeah. Wondering, going back a little bit to our conversation around identity and Asian-ness, if you had any musical influences growing up or currently that you felt represented your cultural or ethnic identity or just represented you, you know, like, was there someone that you saw that you looked up to that you saw? 
yourself in? Not really. And I think that this goes back to what I was saying about um, one being half of like being half white and being half Asian, but then two, like growing up in a city that was super diverse. So having this like really rare and awesome experience of just like showing up and just not really thinking about my race because it's like everybody was everything. And I didn't really like I was very privileged to not have to think about my race, but also like very privileged to be in a space where people just accepted you. So Mm. yeah, the artists that I looked to, I never really looked at them to represent me. I looked at them for comfort. Like I loved them because of what they were making. And it wasn't really about them as individuals as much as it was just like, oh my God, I like am obsessed with what you're able to do. And I want to be able to do that. Like, I don't want to be you, but I want to be capable of creating something in the way that you created it. Music is such a powerful force of driving community and bringing community together. Like no matter who you are or where you're from, your background or your experience, everyone can love a song and everyone can Mm -hmm. love an artist, you know, especially live music. Alex and I love seeing live shows because you're kind of giving up your own personal identity for this like larger group experience and, and recorded music too has that ability to bring people from different walks of life together. You kind of talked about it a little bit, but what does community look like to you in terms of your work? This is something that I am in the middle of trying to figure out for myself. So I don't really have a solid answer. I guess like with anything I make, I always just want whoever's listening to feel heard or feel comforted in what I said. I don't want to make something without intention. I don't want to make something just to make it like I try to be very intentional and honest in my lyricism and in my sound. So I just hope that it resembles me, like I'm getting this point across and that whoever listens to it can resonate with it in some way. Yeah. I think this by far has been so interesting to speak to an artist that's still on their journey of kind of figure out what they want to give back to people in the sense of the community aspect. Mm -hmm. This has to bring up the big question. What are you working on right now? What am I working on? So many things like every day is so different because it'll be I'll kind of just like sit down and just put a random idea down like whatever I'm feeling I'll just sing it or like I'll just pick up my guitar play play a little something be like "Mm, that sounds nice something will pop into my head record that like everything is really random and then it's late and I need to go to sleep so I don't feel like shit the next day so then I just put that project away and I go to sleep and then I keep doing that so right now I just have a bunch of little ideas and I guess you could say demos um that are not complete and they're all just like um they all have a kind of similar vibe of like kind of depressing lyrics because I've been in a weird just like figuring stuff out place like a little identity crisis phase right now so yeah I don't know I'm working on a bunch of sad songs I suppose but also not that sad (laughs) I'm figuring out what I believe in right now just because I feel like school really took me on one and I'm just reassessing (laughs) what my values are and um yeah kind of just like singing it's like journaling, low key. Uh, we're here for it. Yeah. Um, and I also like to say I stand for the sad girl music. If you look exclusively mm-hmm. on my likes yeah. on Spotify, there's a lot of, like you said, s- sad girl music that I resonate with. And it's possibly not even positive. It's all my favorite music is sad girl music because I'm like, yeah. seeing, like you said, releasing. And then I'm like, my man left me again. And oh I'm like, God. I'm like, yes. I'm like, yes. She knows what I'm talking about. 
I'm singing it out and I feel good about it. But it sounds like you're on the precipice of, you know, all these incredible things that are about to debut. So we're both so excited to see where, you know, the end of this all leads into and we can't wait. You better you better tell us when you're releasing something. I know we're like, we're re- we're ready to go on the, on the Spotify or whatever platform you use. We'll be there. We'll be your first, first stream. I'm sure you have a whole army of people that are, will be your first before us, but you can add us oh to the gosh. list now. Okay. I'll text you the link first. I'll send the yes. single. Okay. Good. Like, what do you guys think Ooh, about this? We love the, the approval. We love exclusive links. But what's crazy is this past week in LA, I actually like sat in a studio session or like I started collaborating with people for the first time in literal years so now I'm on this other wave too where I'm like oh I'm not just writing sad girl stuff like I'm trying Mm -hmm. to create on the spot and like work the muscle of doing that and like work the muscle of being like all right here's the here's the beat that we started like here's the chords that you played now what are you going to sing over it and I used to always just be like send me the beat send me a bounce of that and I'll get back to you in like three months or something like I'll write it when the lyrics come to me but now I've literally as of the past week been working on just seeing what I can come up with and dig out of myself on the spot and yeah Yeah. so that's a whole other field of stuff that I'm creating now it's great to hear collabing and on that note you know we're all big on this whole community vibe and you know sharing artists that you love and that you want to promote on our platform and just have our listeners, you know, check out and listen. So is there anybody that you've collaborated with or just want to pass the torch in general to? Yes. Does it have to be one person? No. You can do the list. Just like, just yeah. gonna, like pull up a list, going through yeah, everybody yeah. I follow on the internet. Yeah. And be like, this person, this person. <laughs> um, I mean, we brought up my partner, Ilu J, who's like just amazing artist, like so awesome. And he's about, he's working on an album right now, which is going to be great. And uh, can't wait for the world to hear it. It's sounding amazing. Um, he's awesome. There's this artist named Kill Love and they go by... I think they changed their artist name, but I'm not positive if they did. So I think it's Kill Love still right now, but their Instagram is Angel of Alchemy and their music is just like super, super cool. So I've really been inspired by them. And then there's this artist that I'm actually collaborating with right now named Reezy Yens on Instagram and on Spotify and everything. She's got an amazing voice and also there's this artist that I love named Sample Love, and she's also just has a super beautiful voice, really beautiful music. Um, yeah, those are what that's like four people. It was like four people that's that great. I will that's solid. I'll just solid. stop there because I could go on forever, but like, yeah, those are some artists that I really yeah. love. I feel like there's just you can never have enough. Like Alex saying, there's never enough sad girl music. There's never enough music. Like no matter how no. many artists I'm obsessed with, I always am like craving. Yeah, like craving a, a new vibe, a new sound. More, more art. Not not more content, more art. Yeah, You got to yes. make shared playlists. That's why I do it with friends. I'm like, we're going to share mm. a playlist and you're going to put in new music. And I'm, that's what Anna and I did. I have, I'm cheating on you with this, Anna. I'm sorry. I have that going on with like four friends. <sighs> Fine, no. fine. No, yeah. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Hate to break it to you. Dang. I we caught each other. Damn. But I don't have podcasts with all those friends. So oh, you're still we're still oh special. God. Just put a ring on it already. I'm I'm all yours. <laughs> 
Um, all right. Well, thank you for taking so much time to talk with us. I know. Thank you for listening to me talk so much. That was our conversation with Eileen Shoji. You can find her on Spotify, Instagram, all the platforms at Eileen Shoji. That's E-I-L-E-E-N-S-H-O-J-I. And now we are going to play a little clip from an unreleased single of hers titled Secure. Till you do me wrong, you're doing me right as far as I'm concerned. Trust that I get over it Until then I'm just partaking in the creation of a situation That just makes me anxious I'd rather not do that I'd rather love you all the way, all the way I don't have time not to trust you Feeling insecure does nothing for me to myself I won't, I won't, I For more info, visit our website, turnontheac.com, or check out our Instagram at turnontheac. We're on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Today's episode was produced and edited by us, Alex Kustar and Anna Chang, with intro music composed by Max Ozer and Hugo DeCastro Avergé. We have many more exciting artists coming your way, so we hope you'll keep tuning in.